With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to a Why Is This News edition of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com, your SB Nation blog covering all things Ohio State Athletics 24-7, 365. My name is Matt Tamanini. I'm one of the co-managing editors for the site, and I am joined, as always, by one of our Land Grant contributors and editor emeritus, the lovely Buckeye herself, Bleeding Green Nations, Alexis Chase. And Alexis, on a scale of 1 to 10, how nervous are you for the Purdue game this weekend? Uh, like a 12. <laughs> <laughs> mostly be, mostly because of personal family ties and All my right. mother-in-law's a huge Purdue fan and she loves when you know we they get the upset Did, now you've told me before that she has a tradition anytime Purdue somehow beats Ohio State what what does she do and then rubs it in yeah she gets the front page of the paper showing the upset blown up into a big poster size and hangs it in her office so she you know, text me the other day that she's got a spot ready for the third one. It's like, we cannot lose because she's also coming through Columbus on Sunday after the game. She's going to it and I'll never hear the end of it. So we really need to win. (laughs) Yeah. Just for your in-law relationship, Ohio State has to win. It needs to happen. It just has to. All right. Well, on the Why Is This News edition of the podcast, we go through a week's worth of Buckeye news. And Alexis, there's really only one story that we can start with. And we've talked about it before, but finally we have a resolution to the Nick Bosa injury. Earlier this week, we learned that he, in fact, as we would kind of assumed to at least to a certain extent, that Nick Bosa will not return to play another football game in an Ohio State uniform. He has officially withdrawn from school, ending his career. He instead will rehab on his own and prepare for the NFL draft, where he is still expected to be, if not the top pick overall, top two or three, four or five. You're more of a draft guru than I am, but he very much is in line to make a ton of money. So this makes sense for him. Uh, His father had given some interviews after the announcement was made and basically he said the doctors couldn't guarantee that he would even be back during the season Um, Michigan game at the earliest even though if he came back for that game that means that he probably wouldn't be in as good of conditioning or in good of shape um, to play as you would like him even though he'd be thrown in against the biggest rival then play the Big Ten championship game against you know another high level team it just doesn't seem like it made a whole lot of sense and for the most part Alexis I've been pretty proud of Ohio State fans I think for the most part everybody seems to understand and support 
Nick's decision not to come back. Obviously, all Buckeye fans, and I think you and I agree on this, we're disappointed because he's a great player right. and we'd love to have him on the field. But it just doesn't make sense for him to risk further injury, risk jeopardizing, I, I mean, tens of millions of dollars if he's not going to be 100% or if he's not going to be healthy uh, enough to contribute at the level that we would want for the best defensive player in the country. Oh, absolutely. I mean, right now he's a $30 million man. Like he's, mm-hmm. you know, ready to make bank and, you know, another injury, then all of a sudden that's two injuries within a year. The recovery time is significant. You know, maybe he falls into the second round, even though it would be a steal, you know, he teams might be able to do that, you know, depending on the injury history. So I definitely think he's making a smart business decision. I mean, I think it was, I was a little surprised, I guess, that he completely like withdrew from Ohio State. Like now there's no chance that he comes back if we make it to the playoffs and the championship. I did think that would be maybe the one thing that would entice him back. But this is pretty much a final decision. And yeah, like you said, I'm I think most fans at least understand it. I mean, you can't be too mad after all the Boses have done for Ohio State over the years. You know, let him have this one. Yeah, and, and people often forget, this is not a first-generation Bosa thing. Their uncle was a, a linebacker at, the, at Ohio State, ended up playing in the NFL. Um, well, what's his first name? Kumaro. Why can I not think of Kumaro's first name? Anyway, something Kumaro. Uncle Kumaro. Um, so they are Buckeye legacies. So the fact that people, there are a few, actually, to be honest with you, it's mostly national media members who have a problem with it. Some nutcase over at Rivals. Uh, wrote an article about how he no longer respects Nick Bosa, which get get out of here with that garbage. Let, let's let's talk about numbers. In the 2018 draft, Baker Mayfield uh, was the number one overall pick. His four year contract, rookie contract, was for thirty two million six hundred eighty two thousand nine hundred eighty dollars. That's what Nick Bosa is in line for with the bump for the 2019 draft. Now, if you go back ten spots to number eleven, that the number 11 person in the draft, and I don't remember who it is off the top of my head, made about $16,500,000, which was a $16 million difference. So if Nick Bosa came back and got hurt, but was still the number 11 pick in the draft, he would be giving up $16 million that he could never, ever get back. Oh, yeah. I mean, the rookie wage scale is real. Like, you really need to be at the top. And that's why it's so heartbreaking when like Gary on Conley fell because it's like, he deserved the money, but you know, every spot is a few million dollars and that's a lot of money. So like you said, I mean, no wonder he's willing to go for it. Yeah. And we saw this firsthand as Ohio state fans when they took on uh, Notre Dame in the, well, the first of two Fiesta Bowls in the 2016 season, the one in January, which we won, not the one in December where we got killed by Clemson. But we played Notre Dame and Jalen Smith, the brother of Ohio State running back Rod Smith, had just won the Butkus Award. Best linebacker in the country was projected to be a top five player at the worst, meaning mm-hmm. that he would have received no less if he was the number five pick, a four year contract for twenty three point five million dollars. Instead, In the game, he tore his ACL and his LCL. And despite that fact, the Cowboys still took a risk on him because they knew he wasn't going to play in that first season. They took him 34th overall. That contract for a four-year rookie contract brought him $6.49 million. That means he lost $17 million 
because of playing in a bowl game. And he was healthy going into the bowl game. So anyone who's questioning why Nick Bosa is doing this or saying he's not a, a team player, he doesn't care about the brotherhood. Look, man, you can play football all you want for the brotherhood. But when you got that much money in front of you, that is life changing money. And I understand his brother's rich. His family's already rich. I get that. Whatever. This is his money. This is generational money that will change the future of his family, his kids, his future kids. Anyone who has a problem with this, get out of my mentions. Go away. I you know, Welcome to 2018. This is not 1973. Go back and watch the, the your VHS tapes of the Rose Bowl in your basement. This is not how college football, this is not how pro football is anymore. Well, and if, you know, if the brotherhood is real, your brother, your friend, they're going to want the best for you. They're going to understand your decision oh, and know it's not about them. It's about you. And, you know, in this sport, I think every year we learn it's a little bit more about the player. You know, Denzel Ward sat out the bowl game last year and look what happened. He went number four is killing it. Like, you know, so I think this is going to happen more and more often. I do think it's a trend and, you know, coaches leave whenever the hell they want. So Mm -hmm. why can't the players make that decision too? This leads to a really interesting topic, which we won't talk about here, but it also leads you to start thinking about, I think um, Brett uh, wrote about this in an article that posted on Thursday. Maybe it's time to talk about the fact that the three-year rule is stupid, and yeah. uh, Maurice Claret, for all of his issues, probably should have won, and probably was right that you shouldn't be forced to play three years of college football if you don't want to. I mean, not that you're forced to play, you could sit out, but that's not going to help anybody. So, anyway, we wish the best to Nick Bosa on not only his rehab, but his eventual NFL draft pick, and the continued Bosa domination in professional football, because it's coming. Uh, All right. Speaking of uh, some other changes to the Buckeye roster, yesterday during his weekly call-in show, head coach Urban Meyer announced that Blake Hobiel will be the starting kicker for Ohio State as they play Purdue in West Lafayette, Indiana in primetime on Saturday night. That means for the second game in a row, he will be replacing Sean Nuremberger, who's been Ohio State's kicker since 1984. Forever. Uh, Literally, he, he... Started as a freshman in the national championship season of 2014, played in 2015. For the most part, he was hurt at the beginning of the season, then got replaced for the first time by Tyler Durbin, who came in as a senior and won the job in 2016. So Nuremberger redshirted. Then he got the job back in 2017 and now appears to have been Wally Pipped before last week's game against Minnesota. Nuremberger apparently strained his groin and Hobiel, who was a former number two rated kicker in the 2017 uh, recruiting class nationally, came in, went three for three, added three extra points and hit a 47 yarder. Alexis, that's interesting because Sean Nuremberger's career long, is a 49-yarder. That was hit against Penn State in 2014. Since then, you know how many field goals Sean Nuremberger has hit of more than 40 yards in the 2015, 2017, and 2018 seasons? Tell me. One. Oh, He's that's bad. One. And in the 2018 season, this season, which he played the first, what, six games, do you know how many field goals he hit longer than 30 yards? Are you going to tell me one? No, I'm not. I'm going to tell you zero because his, oh. his season long was 30 yards. Now, that that's very... not even like a high 30. No, that's like that's that's an NFL extra point. Um, right. So 
Now, granted, some of that might be play calling. Some of it might be the fact that Urban Meyer, I don't think, really trusts him. So they've been going forward a little bit more on fourth down. It also might be the fact that going forward on fourth down is a lot, you know, it makes a lot more sense now for for a lot of coaches than it did in the past who are a little bit more conservative. But look, Blake Hobbiel is a highly rated recruit. He seems to be pretty good. At this point, Sean Nuremberger isn't doing anything, whether that's because he's not able to anymore or the coaches don't trust him. So you might as well throw in this kid who looks like he's pretty good. Now, granted, he's going into what will probably be a pretty hostile environment at Ross-Aid Stadium on Saturday night with a crowd that thinks that their team very well could pull an upset of the number two team in the country. I think he'll be able to handle it. I mean, he's a kicker, so you never know what happens. You're out there on an island by yourself, but I mean... Hell, if you're not using Nuremberger anyway, you might as well see what the kids got. Oh, for sure. And it's I feel like Nuremberger has always been Urban Meyer's plan B. Like he's like, yeah. like, please, somebody beat him so that I can play somebody else. Because, you know, special teams is supposedly Meyer's baby. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like he's never really trusted him, but he's been around and he's like consistent kind of enough yeah. to be the guy. Yeah, and he's he the one thing that he does very well is kick extra points. He is 216 for 216 at extra points. So totally is good at that. And if really if that's all you do with this offense, I'm okay with that. Uh, he has 324 total career points as a kicker, and that is just 32 behind Mike Nugent's school record of 356. Now that's just kicker points. That's not like quarterback or wide receiver points. But you know, I'm fine with this. I think this is great. I would like to have a weapon at field goal kicker if it ever comes to that. If things get really wonky on Saturday and the Boilermakers somehow find a way to make this a game, I want to know that if push comes to shove, if Dwayne Haskins can get the ball to the 30, that we're going to have a kicker that we reasonably trust might be able to actually make that kick. And we've seen right. it from Hobbiel. We really haven't seen it since 2014 from Sean Nurenberger. Well, and I'm totally fine with, you know, getting some young blood in there and, you know, he can be the next Nuremberger for the next three years or four years or 12 years. <laughs> it really seems like it went Mike Nugent, Sean Nuremberger, that one year of Tyler <laughs> Durbin, and then Nuremberger again. It seems Correct. like we have had them for the entire 21st century. Yeah, works for me, though. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Um, all right. So, Alexis, we uh, mentioned it. The number two Ohio State Buckeyes will travel to West Lafayette, Indiana, to take on the Purdue Boilermakers, who are 3-3 three and three on the season. However, in their first three games of the season, they lost all three by a combined, like, seven points. And they now have won their last three games, including beating up on a then-ranked Boston College. They've also beaten Nebraska and Illinois, two Big Ten teams. Not exactly the pride of the Big Ten at this point, but nonetheless, uh, two Big Ten teams. So they are riding high. The game will be airing on ABC at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Check your local listings, of course. But, Alexis, for a lot of reasons, people are nervous about this game. As we've talked about and written about on LandGrantHolyLand.com, one of the biggest problems with the Ohio State team this season is that they give up an unusually obscene number of big chunk plays. And, unfortunately, Purdue is one of the most explosive teams in the country this season. They Yay! Yay! <laughs> The Purdue offense ranks ninth nationally in ISO PPP, which is the advanced metric used to measure explosiveness. It's They describe it as how consistently successful you were and when you were successful 
how potent were you? So that's the explosive measurement. But then it gets even worse as they are sixth in the country in marginal explosiveness, which is the difference between that previous ISO PPP stat and the expected ISO PPP value of which play based on down distance and yard line. I don't really know what any of these things mean. I would leave that to Chad to talk about. Uh, Chad Peltier, who writes our advanced stats articles. But basically it means in situations where they need to be explosive, they're even more explosive than other people. So they're really explosive. They are led by one of the most electrifying wide receivers in the country, Rondale Moore, who's a true freshman. And in his very first collegiate game, Alexis, uh. he, he broke Purdue's all-time single-game yardage total. I watched that game, and it was like, oh, no, we're going to have to face him in a few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> like This is not going to be great, especially with the challenges – our defense has been having, he's going to throw them fits, I feel like, unless, I don't know, you know that Shiano and all of them are saying, oh, we've really fixed the defense. I'll believe it when I see it. Right, exactly. Like, don't let any more passes over the middle, and I'll be happy. (laughs) Well, you know, it's been interesting because we've seen a ton of injuries on the defensive uh, unit. Last week, they were without five starters on defense pretty much for the whole game. All of those players are expected to be back with the exception of Nick Bosa, obviously. So hopefully that helps. I, I, I don't trust them at this point. The safeties and the DBs have shown signs of not sucking, but the linebackers have still been pretty rough. I, I just don't understand why we're playing the linebackers that we're playing. I know a ton of people are big fans of Tough Borland. He has shown me nothing this year other than the fact that he's just not athletic enough to play middle linebacker at Ohio State. You know who has a problem with the linebackers? Who's that? Uh, Taraj, or what's his name? Taraj. Taraj. (laughs) Mitchell? Yeah. Yes. His dad. His dad is totally mad about it and tweeted during the game that they've got younger talent that they should be using. And you know what? At this point, I don't disagree with him. I mean, what they have is clearly maybe not working, so... Switch it up, maybe see what some younger guys could bring to the the table. Yeah, it's uh, Taraja Mitchell. He is a freshman linebacker from Virginia Beach, um, rated number 24 in ESPN's 300 last season, the number two inside linebacker. Yeah, I don't necessarily condone parents going all well, sure. uh, LeVar Ball. But <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, the, the linebackers aren't great. We know that. Uh, I think Malik Harrison has shown uh, that he's been fairly good at times. I think Sam Hubbard has shown that he's uh, probably deserves an opportunity to play. But look, at this point, th- they've been bad. I mean, there's really no way to get around it. They're not, uh, you know, it's not like they've been out of position and it's all the coach's fault. There's that. But they've also missed a ton of tackles. If I have to see Tough Borland miss another tackle, my goodness, I don't know that I can take it. It's just, it's not great. It's not great, Bob. And I'm going to make a sign that says, how did you miss that tackle or make that tackle and just hold it up because my voice can't say it anymore. I lose my voice every Saturday yelling about it. Yeah, it's uh, it's not ideal. It, it's, it's definitely not. it's definitely not ideal. And, you know, at some point we knew this would happen. You can't continue to, to turn players out that are that highly respected in the NFL, whether that's a linebacker or DB and not expect at some point, whether it's because you missed on a recruit or someone got hurt and never developed the way they should have, you're going to have down years. But when you're counting on sophomores like tough Borland and Pete Werner to be your stud linebackers, 
there leaves something to be desired there. I would love to see more of Malik Harrison. I would love to see more of, uh, I said Sam Hubbard. I meant Justin Hilliard. Obviously, Sam Hubbard's in the NFL. Oh, Justin Hilliard. I'm really excited about him. Yeah. And, you know, Dante Booker has been a guy who's been hurt for so long. When he's been in, he's played fairly well this year. I'd like to see him get a little bit more opportunities just to see if he can ever capitalize on the talent that he has. He's never been able to do that. But there are freshmen. You've got uh, Kevon Pope. We have, you know, Taraja uh, Mitchell that we've talked about. Baron Browning just doesn't seem like he's there yet, but they're going to have to do something to figure out. Otherwise, Rondale Moore is going to have catches over the middle all game, and he's just going to turn him into huge chunk plays. And Ohio State's going to have to be playing catch up all game. Now, I think that Ohio State's offense should be fine. Dwayne Haskins is number four in the country with 333 passing yards per game, while the Purdue defense is giving up the fourth most passing yards in the Big Ten. So there should be opportunities for Ohio State's offense to move the ball and score. So I'm not expecting a low-scoring game uh, here, Alexis, but that let's get that into our score predictions. Uh, I don't remember if this is your score on our little uh, rundown here from last week or if this is a new one or not. So uh, why don't you tell me what you are expecting to happen from a score perspective in West Lafayette on Saturday? Yeah, it's a new one. I've just gone with OSU at 48 three weeks in a row now. But I, thought, I think I thought so. <laughs> I think Purdue is a little bit more. I think I've been guessing 17 for the away team. So I think they're good enough to get 24. So I'm going 48 24. But I wouldn't be surprised if Purdue maybe got more on the board. But I do think OSU will have really focused in on stopping them this this week in practice. So I'm really hoping that they can keep it, you know, not super close. Like, pull away in the second half so I don't, you know, rip my hair out. Okay, yeah. As somebody who has no hair, uh, ripping hair out <laughs> is less than desirable. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with something that's that's fairly close, actually. Um, I'm going to go with 46-23. Um, I think that doubling them up uh, is, is very possible. I think Purdue has a ton of talent. But I think unlike some of the times when Purdue has caused problems for Ohio State in the past, I don't think this is going to be a surprise. Ohio State knows that they are playing their eighth game in eight weeks. They have a bye week coming. They are beaten up. They are tired. But they know that Purdue is hot. They know that Purdue is a team that is not necessarily intentionally, but is designed to to attack the problems that Ohio State's defense has this season. So... I think that they will be up and ready for this game. I think they are looking at this game as something akin to a rivalry. Now, I'm not saying they're looking at it like it's Penn State or or Michigan, but I think they realize that this is not just a game against another also ran from the Big Ten West. This is a game that I think that they're going to be up for. So I'm going to go with 46 to 23. We're in agreement for the most part. Um, I'm I think really, you're just prices writing me. I'm not prices writing you. I... Uh, <laughs> If I were, I would not be going anywhere near you because you are second to last in our LGHL <laughs> predictions. And Se- the only the only reason you're not you're, the only reason you're second to last is because Jeff Hammersley decided to pick Penn State, and he tried to play the gamble of trying to have the lead. If Penn State won, he lost. You are last in everybody who's predicted <laughs> the winner correct. Oh, thanks. That's really great for my self esteem. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> Your NFL team won a Super Bowl. You're fine. You don't need a self-esteem boost. Yeah, that's true. Um, so 48-24, 26-23. We are probably both going to look idiotic when the score is like 17-14. Uh, but that's fine. As long as Ohio State wins, I'm totally fine with whatever the score is. Agreed. 
Real quick, some uh, let's hit some other news that uh, that's pretty fun this week. Uh, yesterday, Sirius XM, the Big Ten Network, and the Big Ten Conference announced that starting on Monday, October 27th, there would be an all-new 24-7 Big Ten-specific station on the streaming service. They will have original content every day. Um, both in the morning and the afternoon, that'll feature a lot of different BTN and Big Ten um, related stars, including AJ Hawk and Ben Hartsock. They will also carry simulcast of programming on the Big Ten network, as long as live play-by-play broadcasts of Big Ten football, men's women's basketball, baseball, softball, and more. I'm super excited about this. I love Sirius XM. I have got I've had it since I worked at the Big Ten actually, and I could not live my life without it in my car. I, if I had to listen to local sports talk radio, I would shoot myself in the head. Especially considering I live in Central Florida, it is horrific. But I think this is great. Um, I don't watch a ton of Big Ten, you know, TV, but I could actually see myself listening to more BTN radio than watching Big Ten TV, uh, except for game stuff. So I'm I'm super excited about this, Alexis. Yeah, I mean. I can definitely get on board with it. Yeah, especially because Ohio State's, you know, the best team in the conference. So presumably they'll be talking about us a lot. So, uh, you know, it works. I know that uh, I told you I wasn't going to have any NFL updates, but uh, I just saw that the Saints are putting Ted Ginn Jr. on IR. So take him out of your fantasy leagues, folks. Alexis, remind me, since I'm not a huge NFL person, if he's on IR, that means he's out for how long? Is it six weeks? I think it's seven weeks. Seven weeks? Okay. So I think he would be eligible to get back like week 14 at this point. Um, I'm not really sure how many players they have on IR. I think it's a pretty uh, loaded IR for them. So honestly, at his age and based on the receiver core they have, I could see him just spending the rest of the season on because they can only bring two players back. So they really have to be judicious about it. Yeah, he's had a fairly decent season too, hasn't he? I mean, he hasn't been, you know, Michael Thomas productive, but he's been fairly productive i think hasn't he he's still the deep threat you want him to be yeah of course he's you know olympic level speed at his heyday so all right so that's disappointing something that is not disappointing alexis is that chris holtman is still the goat he's the best at everything i'm really excited all right tell us what what he did this week so he bought Raising Cane's for students again. He did that last year. He goes there for lunch and tweets out like, hey, let's have lunch. And he just buys lunch for everyone who comes through. And it's a really good way to get students involved. And he totally knows what it takes to lead, you know, a university team like this, you know, at a university as big as Ohio State. And you get buy-in from the students, you get buy-in from fans, and you can really do something special. And he's all in. Oh, I love him. I'm getting really excited. <laughs> What I thought was really funny and and so totally like a nerdy coach uh, thing. He said, uh, students, let's have lunch today on me. Swing by Raising Cane's on campus between 1215 to 1 p.m. And then parenthetically, if you don't have class. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for towing the school line and not telling people to skip class to come get free fried chicken. Um, that's a, that's a very well done. And I saw some videos of him. He was like behind the counter. He was ringing people up on the register. You know, we, we talked about, or we wrote about this. We weren't doing the podcast back then, but one of the first things that he said he wanted to do was not only reach out to fans, which he wanted to do, but he specifically wanted to reach out to current students and former players in the program. And I think he has done a tremendous job with both of those things. He's young, he's energetic, he's exciting, and he's excited to be at Ohio State. And as much as we all loved Thad Mata, and I still do, uh, I think it was pretty obvious that 
because of some health concerns that he had. Um, the excitement level for him doing his job wasn't there. I think the excitement for coaching was definitely there. Wasn't as big on engaging with the larger community or recruiting because of the physical limitations that his uh, back injury had. But to have a coach like Chris Holtman, who's come in and embraced Ohio State's larger community and the Ohio State basketball community and really integrated himself into both, I think this is exactly what Ohio State needs to get it back to a top 10, 15 uh, program every year and competing for Big Ten and national championships. Oh, yeah, we're going to be good. And he's good. Like, I sort of forget that he also, like, played basketball and stuff. I mean, obviously. Yes. but like, Did you see that video? Yes. OSU Basketball posted the video on Thursday, and he made, like, five shots right in a row, like, from the behind the arc. It was so good. It's like, oh, my gosh, and he can shoot, too. Like, look at him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a proud mom, and I'm, like, 10 years younger. I say, folks, we, uh, we officially have an Chris Holtman stand here. Yes, it is me. I am the stand. I will die on this hill over here. All right. Perfect. All right, Alexis, why don't you let us know what is happening outside of Ohio State football for the Buckeye Athletics this weekend? This weekend, we've got a lot of Buckeye action, including Friday and Saturday series for the men's hockey team who hosts Massachusetts and the women's hockey team are on the road against Minnesota. On Friday, you've also got OSU Field Hockey hosting Michigan State at 3 p.m. And the women's volleyball team is on the road at Indiana. And the men's soccer team is at Maryland, both at 7. And then on Saturday, you've got Ohio State's pistol team hosts Akron and Purdue, while the rifle team is on the road at West Virginia. And the Buckeye football team will kick off at 7.30 in West Lafayette. Okay, thank you for listening to the Hangout in the Holy Land. You can find all episodes of the podcast on LandGrantHolyLand.com, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your daily dose of podcast goodness. You can follow this very show on Twitter at HolyLandPod. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. You can follow Alexis at LovelyBuckeye on those same social media platforms. You can follow the site at LandGrant33 on Twitter and at LandGrantHolyLand on Instagram and Facebook. Folks, this is a 7.30 primetime kickoff. Pace yourselves. Just because you're nervous doesn't mean you have to drink more than you normally would. You want to be conscious when Blake hits a uh, game-winning field goal at the end of the game. hopefully. Hopefully. Well, hopefully he doesn't need it, but just in case. Be conscious. Be vertical. uh, Don't be clutched over the porcelain gods. Uh, Anyway, and as always, of course, go Bucks. Go Bucks. Go Bucks!